a slow meandering affair. He wants to kick, he's gotta go now. With Josh Kerr. All right, here, David Rivich. Josh Kerr. David Rivich. Josh Kerr's for real. Fastest D2, 1500 meters. Josh Kerr on the outside. Way up front now is David Rivich. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Sit and Kick podcast. I'm your host, David Ribich. And I'm your better host, Josh Kerr. Uh, today, we're sitting and kicking it with a gaffer. This man has to deal with our shit on a daily basis. He's the reason for our success and partly to blame for some of our failures. Uh, he deals that by, you know, he stress rolls with, with some of his fighting buddies in his garage. And uh, it is, of course, Danny Mackey, the head coach of the Brooks Beasts, Olympic and Olympic medalist hopeful track team, according to his LinkedIn so, uh, Danny, are you okay with me calling you the gaffer after watching Ted Lasso? I feel like the first time you like I called you that, you were like very confused. Yeah, well, you called me that way before I saw Ted Lasso, but um, I think if anything, Ted Lasso has helped helped uh, validate how important that name is. So I'm yeah, cool with it. <laughs> I like I, I do feel like when I'm bringing some of this stuff up, like it just like I'm just bringing up random words of practice, and people are just accepting them nowadays. So that's that's completely fine. I'm it might mean they're it. not listening to you, but yeah. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's a Dave thing. Yeah. Can you give some uncultured um, insight on what a gaffer is? Because I don't watch Ted Lasso. I only watch educational films. So I don't know what that is. Uh, well, I always just saw it as like like the like the boss, you know, like the coach, the boss, like the head person. And so if, we, if you're the gaffer, you're like leading the show. So, so for, for, for next session or for, for next episode, I should say... I'm your host, the gaffer, Dave Rubich. I mean, I don't know if you can call yourself the gaffer, but yeah, sure, that's fine. Perfect. Okay. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that's not great. But anyway, the, so we were, you know, we were digging deep, deep diving into you, Danny, and, and we just got to say, like, what has Let's Run got against our team and like you as a person? Because there's some, there's some, there's real, some very mean things. Yeah, it's it's very mean. So uh, there was an IP address search done. We're starting this off real hot. Uh, a couple of years ago, and there was nine different threads started by one zip code in a town in Oregon. Wow. That's, oh, man. I'm narrowing it, it down. Interesting. Um, I know my... So it wasn't Dave? <laughs> Is that... Uh, no. A little bit more north of where Dave was at. <sighs> Interesting. <laughs> interesting um, yeah. I, yeah i actually it's funny that, that you mentioned it because so i'm really close with my chicago teammates in college i never go on that that website um and by never i mean like i i, yeah, I can't remember the last so uh so they send me the threads and stuff like that and some of them are they're they're like i had there was one that was uh if you google if you google my name uh, one pops up and it was after the meet in March. And then it was like pretty, pretty mean, but it's yeah. funny because then you fast forward where uh, 94% of the team PRs, which is like three times more than other. And then there's, you know, there's, they'll still find a way. So probably from that zip code, I, I take it as a compliment. Yeah. Yeah. If they're, if they're causing a storm, that means you're doing something right. And uh, yeah, I, that is actually the thread was the March one. It was like, it was like, David, what the hell is happening? Henry, what the hell is happening? I, like every athlete yeah. listed was like, what yeah. the hell is happening? And I'm like, damn, like these yeah, people at least know every single person on the team. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. um, but, well, you know, there was, there was a couple of things too. Like 
I mean, you guys know this, you work with me. Um, I've been really fortunate. And I would, I mean, the, I use the word literally like blessed in the sense that almost every athlete I've worked with, and it's been a lot now because we're nine years in, like I've had a really fortunate, good relationships with athletes, but there's been, you know, I'll keep the, the number general between two and four that have been really rough. And so um, people get, have access to grind, but I would stand by even those rough relationships that I think that, I don't think I was perfect at all, but I have principles with things. If you have principles, people are going to like, they're going to like you. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I again, like I, unless they're, it's funny because I had P address search, but unless there's a name attached for it, like, it's kind of like what you, when you called me after Josh metal, David, it's like, I, I just care about what you, you guys think. And my friends and my friends are super hard on me. Yeah. So if I suck at my job, you guys would probably be the first people to tell me. Then the second would be my friends. And then my mom and dad are, would be right behind them. So I don't really get too concerned about it. So the keyboard yeah, trolls aren't really high on your level of um, respect. No, they're pretty low. Pretty low. Yeah, pretty low. Yeah. yeah. Check that. We have a, you know, we, we normally, when we podcast, we normally do it in the morning. So uh, in the afternoon, because we're doing it in the morning, we thought we'd start off with like a bit of a game. We start, you know, getting the blood pumping a little bit. And so we're just going to, Josh, I've already, ra- I've already run by the way. Yeah, no, I haven't. <laughs> yeah. You also put my, off day for both of my us. coach. Give me an off day. <laughs> That's so. true. That is true. You know, I've been sleeping, you know, so, for, you know, to, to get the blood pumping a little bit, we'll go for um, one of our games and, and Dave's fantastically called it a relay fun game. And so you need to name your current four by a mile for the U S versus the UK. And then you need to tell me who, who's going to win that. Uh, I could pick anybody, not just from the beasts. Yes, we, we can get to the beasts in a bit. Okay, I would go with. Wait, you want me to say why? Uh, yeah. So I'd go with. Uh, let me think here for a second. I'd go with. This is not going to be that fun. I, 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 Magoose, Ingles. Um. I won't say why I won't pick other people, even though yeah. those people might have want be run fat run faster. We'll let that sit for a bit. Um, I go with Nagoose and Ingles. Uh, Nagoose, like three thirty. I know this, it was you know the new era with spikes and stuff, but like let's say the conversion three thirty six mid. You know, like he ran three thirty four with by himself at the yeah. He's the collegiate record holder in fifteen hundred meters, Josh. He is. He is so dumb fired to wire it i i think he's a gamer um i know he's a gamer uh and then uh ingles ingles is always like really consistent um he'd be good to have on like um you know he could put him on the anchor or the first leg i'd have henry henry's been pretty consistent this year he ran 334 a couple different ways henry win the fourth one on the american because hmm. what you'd probably want like You'd want somebody that you know is going to run like under 336. Doesn't matter the type of race. I don't know. You think it would give Waleed too much? I mean, I have to have some bias. You think Waleed would be too, you'd go to his head too much if I said Waleed? I think it would go to my head too much the opposite direction if you picked Waleed over me. Because I think there's about <laughs> 10, other Ameri- the there's 10 other Americans ahead of me for the mile, which would then put probably equal amount ahead of Waleed. So, um, yeah, I All would right. say that I know just... I'm going to go with, okay. I'm going to cut you off for a bitch. I'm going to go with Cooper, Cooper mm. tier. I like that. Cause he ran 350 indoors. He's run 13, 12. Uh, I think that like, 
because you we you know you're on the team that broke the the world record ribbage so it's like you got to be able to run like by yourself a lot or just yeah. lead and so you know he'd be a good one because his teammates sat on him a lot so he had to do a lot of that that leading so i would go with cooper those would be yeah. the four would you worry on the about UK, his hydration status is that what happened on saturday that's why that's, that's the word on the street hmm no, I think he can handle a mile. I mean, he's okay. what I was, I was saying this to somebody at practice. I was actually talking to Kidder about this because some of the, some people were saying, uh, you know, some people were just talking about it and kind of making fun of him. I'm like the guy would smash most people in the world. 99.9% of the time. It's like, it's a bad day. You know um, I, I just think he's a really good athlete. And so I don't know him at all. So it's completely un, unbiased um, on the UK side. I'd go with Josh Kerr uh jake whiteman i'm a fan of jake i think it's because because you are josh like it's yeah. like him and the dude shows up he's in every every final um i know he's hurt but i'm having confidence it'll come back I, i've always liked uh, o'hare yeah i think o'hare's hair is really solid like he can run a, a bunch of different races and then who'd be the fourth one um let me think on that I don't know. Hayward? Would it be Hayward just going off a of recency? Recency yeah, bias? I would expect that. Yeah. That's that would I, be tighter than I that I than I would hope. I think yeah, that four I, by mile. I, yeah, I would I would pick I would pick the UK though. I think that um they're the the U, US people kind of shuffle, the UK shuffle, but they're all all of them are in the finals in the global championships. Like you and Whiteman are just a little bit of the staples in there, but um but yeah it'd be a really close race especially depending on what time of year you did it i think earlier in the year i'd probably go with us because like fair. somebody like cooper's kind of fit and, and the goose was kind of fit like all year last year so, yeah i feel like the college system helps that where you're just like constantly in shape yeah young i mean you're not yeah. you guys aren't old either but yeah we're going to bounce higher up um because i know that you are very active in the marathon scene both as an athlete and just in peak interest of being a spectator. So when it comes to like an all-time U.S. Olympic marathon team, like if you could pick three men from the history of marathoning and three women from the history of marathon marathoning for the U.S., who would be like your dream team to send to an Olympic Games? Yeah, you should have let me study, man. Um, I'd go with Frank Shorter. Uh, I think he could have run a lot. He, he ran quick, but nowadays I think he could have run a lot quicker, but he, he showed up and, you know, medaled and won a lot of big races. Uh, um, I'd go with Bill Rogers as well. He, that guy just raced so much and he ran some pretty damn fast times on, uh, at Boston and stuff like that. And then, then like for the fourth or third, I'm sorry, I'll probably go with Matt Kofleski. Yep. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think those three are like, one of the things that's so hard to do with a marathon and then Sammy Wanjaro and Kachogi are, are super big outliers they, get, they don't have off days i mean it's so fun you know there's metabolism there's muscle cramping there's abnormal things that you don't deal with in your your guys's world so that's how consistent those three americans were would probably be my would be my picks um and any were racers you know it's like it's a little different day and age we have um freaking pacers and that kind of stuff every every couple k yeah uh, on the women's side i'm a huge fan of this one i'm dina castor is like one of my favorite in general, favorite athletes, not, not just like track uh, or runners. Like she's, she's awesome. Uh, I go with Dina would go with, 
oh, I can't believe I almost forgot it. Joan Benoit, who I've run with a couple times when I was probably 28. And so Joan would have been 50, maybe. I remember we did a 10 mile run at like 610 pace. And she ran really quick back when she was running. Like Joan was a killer. And then third would be, let me think here. Um, I go Seidel, Molly Seidel. Nice. My three. Yeah. Molly's what she's done this year. She is super consistent again. Yeah. Yeah. She's run what three marathons this year and aced all three of them. That's incredible. You, you look to like, she had an interview in a podcast previously to talk about her build up to New York city. And like, she was injured. She had bruised ribs. Like it wasn't like that was going to be a real um, bang a of a race. So she went into that with like the anticipation of potentially not even running great. And then like plan a was to just like, compete and then all of a sudden she's like oh i'm gonna get top five here like yeah. she is such a gamer it's crazy mm-hmm. the best olympic bronze medal in tokyo i would say i, I don't disagree to be honest <laughs> <laughs> um so we're gonna now go back down a distance a four by 800 but it's a coach's u.s relay so if you could choose four coaches in the u.s right now to do a, a 800 meter four by 800 meter relay who you got on those half mile legs Oh, this is easy. I think it's easy. Uh, Joe Bossard. Okay. He always, I mean, he's pacing those ladies and they're, they're like super fit. So, yeah. Um, Joe would be number my first pick. Um, only coaches. And I can't, can't go agents. Right. Yeah. Only oh, coaches. I go with my guy, Ben Rosario. Yeah. Ben's a great one. Cause Ben doesn't matter how fit he is. He's going to try hard. He's going to yep. leave, leave it out there. Might not look good, um, but he'll, he'll put an effort out there. Um, uh, let me think here. You can put yourself uh, like on a, there as well. Oh yeah, I, I go with me. I run. I run enough. I did nine miles this morning. No nice. And you guys saw a little bit of my workout yesterday. I'm sore. Yeah, I'm so sore. <laughs> Based on what I ran yesterday, so I ran. Well, you guys can do the math. I ran a thirty-one second two hundred. I don't know how hard that looks. So you think I can, ma- I, I don't think I can maintain that for another six. It does I thought you it, were trying to do the workout and I was like, <laughs> there's no way this is the no, workout. No, no. I'm I can, so sore. I can tell you your 31 looks 10 times more difficult than Devin's 24, 25. Yeah. Yes. I know. I don't even want to know how I look. Yeah. I, I don't even like seeing myself. Like if I, if I'm walking in a, an outdoor mall and I, see reflection of myself walking i'm like this looks bad <laughs> i'm just trying way too hard nowadays to do everything <laughs> um so we got one more on there yeah yeah um oh you know who was super fit this year shayla hulahan mm, yeah though shayla's not wised up and gone back to the NCAA, but I'll, I'll i'll pick her back on the team perfect shayla might be the shayla or joe would be the anchor because ben and i We'll, we'll be sweating a lot. Our heart will be over 200, I, we'll give, but we might inspire the anchor leg to try hard, but we're not going to do much damage, but Shayla and Joe, I think can, can throw down. I bet you Joe can break too. Joe you think? That'd be a cool, I think so. a cool challenge. Yeah. I'll have to, have to have, hopefully he watches this. Cause I want, I, my, my prediction for him is we'll come run 158. That's pretty cool. And so yeah. for, for the last one, uh, it kind of, this is the main thing I want to do. I want you to choose your all-time beast DMR, men and women. See, this is why Let's Run Thread start, because I'm going to say something bad yeah. against somebody. You guys are going to start a post about me. 
Yeah, I'm actually uh, the nine nine IP address poster from Portland. Gotcha. From yeah, some location like, north of where I went to school. Whenever this posts, whenever this goes live on Sit and Kick, like if within five minutes of somebody says off of a coach, I don't know why. Yeah, um, all right, <laughs> all right. So I'm gonna go with. Oh shit, this is tough. Yeah, I had, a, I had a tough time so thinking about this. Kaz or Nick on Kaz or Devin on the 400. It's tough actually. Ooh. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna piss Devin off. I'm gonna go with Cass because when Cass left the team, he was ranked number one in the world. So I'm gonna, and he broke the world best in a six hundred. I don't know what Devin's in shape right now. Upside on Devin, I mean, like we might be talking about the Olympic medal in the four hundred here in a couple of years. Yeah. Not going how to do block starts. Uh, so I go Cass in the quarter, Simmons in the eight, um, and then we got a twelve and we got a mile. Um, go Josh in the mile, 1200. I know my 12. Second. Oh, uh, it's gotta be Kidder. Yeah. 35 one and 144. Yeah. So now I have 15 guys pissed at me for doing that. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yes, but I'm not one of them. So it's fine. Nor am I. Yeah. I'm not one of them either. Dan. <laughs> You're clear on our podcast of things. So I started to cut you off. So the interesting one is, can you guess who I was struggling on? I think it might surprise you guys. There was a guy in there that I, that was low key tough to not put in. Dylan Maggard. <laughs> I don't even know an anchor, man. You never know. It was Garrett Heath. Oh, Garrett, could you Garrett yeah. in his heyday? Yeah. You guys didn't get to see it. You didn't get to see it. Yeah. Yeah. We just was, see him in his gray one. day now instead of his heyday. Mm-hmm. His alumni days. His alumni. Yep. Josh, you want you want to do a perfect segue out since we're now talking on the beasts? Yeah, I mean, so you know, we get to see your your day to day, you know, when you're at practice and things. But what people don't get to see is how many damn phone calls you have, all these mysterious calls Danny's getting on on a day to day basis. So, what does your days look like when you're when you're coaching us? Like, you know, when it comes to college coaching, it's more you know, there's eligibility problems and and you know, all that stuff. But when it comes to you know, with professionals, what is what is your main part of the job outside of just holding us up, watching, riding the training? So I started to make sure my phone doesn't fall here. Um, so the main part of my job is I deal a lot with agents because um, there's like just certain things with, with meet schedules and just for some reason, they just still talk to me about some contract stuff. Um, and then I have a lot of like, so I'm really big on like call it the athlete triad. So you have an athlete up on top of the triangle and you have the coach down here. And then this, this person here is like, could be physiotherapist, could be psychologist, could be medical doctor. Um, yeah. So there's always some person in there that I'm working with to figure out some solution for some sort of hurdle or an iceberg that an athlete has. And then, and then there's a lot of communication with Brooks. So like we have the legal team at Brooks that I deal a lot with. We have um, HR, we have brand marketing, product marketing, PR, digital marketing. So, um, and then you have the executive team, you know, to like talk to them about strategy, some of the things that are, are going on that, that we have coming down the pipe and requests we might have. And so, yeah, that's most of it's, it's, it's surprisingly a very, it wasn't surprising to me, but it's surprisingly a busy job to, to people who, um, you know, they first hear what I do and they think I'm like at the gym for 90 minutes, just like teaching how to do squats. 
or telling you to run a lap. So yeah, a lot more stuff than that. Has that, has that changed over time? Like with, you know, you're saying that you've been the coach obviously for nine years. Is that kind of changed from when you started off? Like, were you doing a lot of the corporate stuff at the, at the start? I would say I was doing more because when I, when I took the, when I got offered the job and took it, um, Jesse Williams is the founder of sound running. There's a lot of races that we all compete at. So what, one of the things he did, which was great for me, he just gave me the budget. He said, figure it out. And so nothing existed. There was no infrastructure around the team. You know, we have like, you know, just for example, the clinic that we work with VITA, like negotiate that contract, the gym that we work with, I had to negotiate that contract. So, so figuring out where to go was a lot of the stuff. So uh, I would say I was a little bit more busy then than I am now. And, and like on the, the, some things, but, now as the team's gotten bigger, you know, the strategy around like making sure that the story gets told. And so I'm, I'm the main point person to figure out like where we're going to be and what we're doing. So yeah, workloads, workload is probably a little bit less. Well, it's hard because we have an assistant coach this year. I guess if you asked me this a year ago, I'd say I'm still working the same amount, just in different stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> as um, again, according to your LinkedIn, as the head coach of the Brooks professional Olympic and Olympic medalist, hopeful track team, uh, you signed on with them in January of 2012. So you're coming in on nine years and 11 months in the greater Seattle area. So you're coming in on a decade. And in this decade, uh, coach, uh, 2013, sorry, 2013. That's oh it. man, you got to change your yeah. LinkedIn profile. I know. I, I didn't even, it's funny you guys say that. I didn't even remember setting that up. Um, so I set it up for so, you. Thanks. Yeah. Um, so coming up on nine years then, um, What's interesting now is there's a bit of a shift of the tide of our team and the ability that we have to recruit, the ability in which we have kind of to be seen largely as like one of the top world contending teams for track and field now. Whereas you kind of said it um, earlier this year, where like when you were recru recruiting in 2013 is very different now than recruiting in uh, present day. And so yeah. has it been difficult changing the view on the team from needing to recruit to having to turn good athletes down? Has it been difficult, you said? Yeah, so like, how, how has it been? I guess like that whole recruit, I wanna know more about the recruitment process because when mm. we talk to athletes, we talk like, how, what was your recruitment story? What agent did you go with? But for you, like, you're the guy that's kind of at the helm of, you're now, you have now created a team and a culture that very, very good global medalists wanna be a part of. It, it's been, um, I guess the thing that's changed is, well, there's a couple things that have changed. One is like, I'm more because of something mistakes that I made in recruiting and signing the wrong type of person and suffering the consequences of that. I'm more, I've, I've read a lot of books on um, negotiating and just stuff from, from like special forces with terms of like how you interview somebody and figure out red flags. And so that's been, I'm just more selective. And, and it's not from a spot of like, we're too good and we need to pick somebody. It's more, I look at it uh, that I know what it looks like on the inside here. So for the athlete's best interest, I'm also trying to think of the fact that they'll be successful where, wherever they go. I want to make sure that they're happy and, and doing well here. So I'm trying to kind of like almost be their eyes and ears, even though I have the bias of making sure that we sign the right people. So it's a little bit of this weird, like back and forth in my mind where I'm like, I want them to, I might want them to come 
but maybe this isn't the best fit, or maybe they really want to come and they're really good and they're a great person. I just know that like with what we're doing on a team and, and my coaching style that in a year they won't be happy. So it's like predicting like how the six, how the happiness is going to be. So that's changed just from my like strategy. That's kind of regardless of like the success of the team. And then because the team is done better, uh, what that inherently means is people have longer contracts because if the team's better, they're going to get that second or third contract offer. And so now each spot becomes a little bit more selective. And I've also made the mistake of having too many athletes in 2016. We had, I had 17 athletes and that was just way too much. Um, you guys know this better than anybody listening. Like, you know, we have, we were very organized in terms of the training style, uh, programming, like you see what's coming. It works really well for me to just be able to talk to you and know what you're doing. And I might forget like, oh yeah, you ran 68 versus 72 miles. But in general, I know day to day what's happening. And so as soon as that number of athletes gets too many, I can't, I can't communicate in that way. And I don't know, I, th- I think it would then be ineffective because, because there's enough communication going on interpersonally when you have to leave and go somewhere. If I'm not there, like the Olympics with Josh, it only thing that changes is time zones. And maybe yeah, I'm not face to face, but I can do this, you know, like Josh already put the phone out and I watched him do a drill and I said, had the physio look at your shoulder. That's because I see Josh so much. I know what his patterns are. So I can, from a phone, see if he needs to get some physio work, you know? So that only happens, I think, because there's a lot of communication and more athletes would decrease that. So I would worry about that. Uh, and then like the other thing is we have less spots. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's like, you got to be really, the thing that's changed is even with just the learning and wisdom of doing this for nine years, in terms of how to uh, talk to somebody and figure out if they're going to be a good fit or not, it gets the, the stakes get higher because the cost of the athlete goes up. There's more visibility on them. Uh, like we're, we're in, you guys are, we're in the teeth of it right now with some of the recruiting, like um, it's been, been a lot of talks like late last night and this morning actually about what to do on it. And so, yeah, I, I think it's a compliment testament to, well, you guys, but the team, because you run well, that's why people want to come here. And that's yeah. what the one thing I want to keep protecting is like, I keep going back to like, why would these star athletes now want to join? It's like, cause you all are running well and you're happy, you know? And so I don't want to lose that. I don't want to become a victim of our success. Um, so it's hard to be disciplined around that. That's a, that's a challenge I'm in right now. Right. So do you, so you don't put it down to any, any of the, um, the, the teaching of the self-defense classes uh, to the athletes or like, do you, do you genuinely think that you're the only coach in the world that will teach us jujitsu when we're going camp? For sure. <laughs> yeah. I wish you asked like who, you know, you didn't talk about cage fighting or street beefs. Oh, just wait till the that's banter a, That's a good, that's a good sit and kick question. Yeah. Wait till the banter ball. Oh yeah. man. Yeah. There's, uh, there's been a few, co- <laughs> oh, few no. coach matchups in the ring and, and you're in the ring with a few coaches. So we'll see. Um, I would love it. We'll see how you respond Love to those. Um, but we talked about the good things that are in our team, but what I want to know is some of the bad. So do you have any bad memories of coaching either of us? Like if there's just one moment or two or five for Josh and none for me, like none mm. of them this year, please. Or this, yeah. what's, this, what's, uh, a, like, what's a like bad memory of coaching yesterday? either of us? <laughs> what do you say? I said yesterday. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you guys have actually been pretty dang easy. Um, we had some, 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 uh, management issues in the past with both of you that would be not with you as an athlete but your your business managers if you could say yeah Yeah. it was challenging um i think like i think with 
trying to think of things that were challenging. You know, your first year was tough, David, because you were you were not racing. You came from such a high exposure area, a lot of success, and just kind of got your brow beat as a pro. Yeah. And I think that's just that's just hard for anybody. And there wasn't a thing that you were clearly doing wrong and it wasn't a thing I was clearly doing wrong. And so those, that, those are really hard because we want to find the, you know, you want to be, have the problem diagnosed so you can kind of go after it. And so, um, and, and I think it's been interesting because one of the things we talked about your first year was like, this might take some time for the story to unfold. Cause I think yeah. we have the right foundational blocks in, and it's still rolling out, you know, like, I think you still kind of just haven't quite, you haven't started to like, you haven't been hitting the home runs yet that you yeah. can hit. So that first year was, was tough. Um, let me think with you, Josh, like, cause you, you came in and you're kind of banged up a little bit in 18. Yeah. That transition was tough. Like the, yeah. r- the one right away, you know, with you, David, that, that first year was pretty easy with Johnson. Yeah. We just, you know, like I'm saying that summer we signed you, it yeah. was like that first full year, but with you, Josh, that, that transition was, was really tricky. I thought in 18. Like yeah, I think especially summer. with me not being in Seattle right away, yeah. probably didn't help. Yeah. Like, I think I remember that to this day, I remember you saying this to me. Um, you said something along the lines, we were doing a session or something like that. And you said, um, when I learn you more, then I can make that decision easier. And I don't really remember what it was about. But like, I think it took a while for us to work, like, for me to know what you wanted and for you to be able to figure out what works for me. And I think that was difficult being afar, but I think we figured it out. Not like it didn't take a terrible amount of time, but I think that transition was more difficult because I wasn't in Seattle full time. Um, but yeah, I would, I can see that. Yeah. I mean, both of you guys are good communicators and you both came from very different communication. Coaches. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, but I think Joe Franklin's has some like Joe and Johnson, Mike Johnson that were like, I have a little bit of similarities to both of them, but I'm yeah. still pretty different. So it's, um, yeah, it was different, different I'm areas of challenges. I'm going to bring it up since I'm not necessarily tied to it, but I've been asked this, I don't know how many times, but for the record, when did you start coaching Josh? Because it was relatively immediate, right? Like you started coaching in summer 2018. of 2018. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so like the day I signed. So Danny, yeah. you've coached him through all that. So in other words, his collegiate coach has not coached him since he signed a professional contract. No. Yeah, it's crazy how that works out, right? Have you ever heard those rumors, Josh? What rumors? That you were you were coached by Joe even in Tokyo. Uh, really? I've, I've been asked like, oh, but, but Joe, Joe still, at that. but Joe still writes some of those workouts for Josh, right? I'm like, no. Danny's written. You read this shit on Let's Run. This is unfortunately in a text thread on my personal phone. So this is not like, oh, you've got buddies that think this, not buddies, uh, people of um, hmm, coaches, athletes, people that I just know in the sport that still, I need to take myself more seriously to get credit. I think you do. Yeah. I think you need to use some of that jujitsu on people that don't understand the fact that you coach athletes. So um, yeah. Anyways. Let's talk about like it when you're done coaching, if you're ever be done coaching, because as we both know, coaches tend to never want to stop. So if you were to retire after like a long career, what would you want the team, the beasts to look like? Um, And then kind of where would you want to be at the end of your coaching career? Um, I think of like, uh, I think of the San Antonio Spurs would be some, a team I would like us to be 
thought of as. And so they've won multiple titles. Um, and they're just generally a respected and liked team. So you don't think of them every year as like the team that's going to win, because I think honestly, if that's what's going on, either you're buying all the talent up and there's no other talent. So you have the best talent and there's less talent for other teams to go around. So it's like kind of like a Pareto effect in a way where you, you know, the 80, 20 rule. And then, um, and like, you cannot like them because you're just a fan of another team, but you respected the Spurs. Yeah. And so, yeah. So I'd like us to be a team that wins titles. We don't have to win all the time. Um, but I'd like us to be known as that group. But, but even if we're not liked that we're respected. So you're great. And, and this is like a huge. Yeah. 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 Cool. Uh, I got to work with him and I worked at Adidas and I, I just really liked how he, he went about things. He's in, he, he's at a point of his career to say, he say what he wants. Like I, I'm not quite there yet. I yeah. think you got to be in the back one fourth where you can just kind of not give a fuck. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I look forward to that. I want to really work long enough. So you guys need to run well long enough. And then the people after you where I can get to like, you know, mid late sixties where I can really start saying what I think because <laughs> this podcast would be a lot more fun. Um, and then yeah, I don't know what else you asked, but um, oh, that was it. Yeah, no, a, that was actually a good okay. answer. Yeah. yeah, I think when you mentioned that you worked for Adidas there, like I know it kind of it was crazy that you, from my point of view, how many brands you've actually worked for, and so when you go back to, you know, how many jobs you applied to when you were getting this job, because I know you you said that you applied to like two hundred and something jobs, right? Two hundred seventeen. Like yeah, That's, I mean, how like how was it that you ended up getting the beast job? Do you think like, why, why did that work out? And no, like, what were you, what jobs were you applying for at this point? At 200, I don't know if I could apply for 217 jobs. I don't think and you know, 217 job titles, Josh. I, I think it would be a tough time if you're not going to the McDonald's Burger King kind of route, like where, where were you applying for these jobs? Well, if you look at on the portal, um, NCAA portal, there's a lot of jobs every year. So, I graduated and I worked for almost eight years between Nike, Adidas, and Puma. And at the at the end of that, or sorry, the middle of that, I stopped applying to jobs. But you had I had you know almost eight years in there where any NCAA job that opened up, I applied for cover letter, resume, emailing the director or you know AD or whoever it was. So I did that for did that really seriously for the first three years. And then I started doing it again the last like probably year and a half. So that's where that 217 comes up. And, and two times I was close, Bethel University in Minnesota, Division II would have been the head, head women's coach and, and head of the rec center for about 30,000 a year. Didn't get the job. I got, got to the final and then uh, the University of San Francisco. And so I lost out to the BYU assistant coach for that. Um, and then I think, you know, I got the job with, you have to ask Jesse the, who hired me, but I had a couple pros uh, that were running really well in 2012. I had a lot of corporate experience. Um, so I understood the dynamics of like start of where, what, what the actual purpose of what, what we were within an organization was. And then I had a high, a high level science background. And so um, I could be helpful internally and I could probably like, I, you have to ask Jesse about why that was appealing to him. Um, 
Yeah, I'm pretty. I, generally, I'm pretty easy to work with. You know, like if you, you say so yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah, so that that helps. Um, and yeah, I, I was cheap. <laughs> Nobody knew who I, nobody still knows I coach people. I yeah, guess. obviously um, people don't know who you are still, so you're doing all yeah, right for that. So, yeah, Jesse said that like the, the ends of the lake name that he wanted was five times more expensive than I was. <laughs> so, well, we we're happy you're here. Um, and we understand like brand loyalty, and obviously we're all very tied to, um, to Brooks. But in terms of like your past career, like you worked with through Nike, Adidas, and Pumas, as I'm still on your LinkedIn profile. Um, but do you have like a specific person or memory within those three, um, companies that like really stands out? Like that was a really great moment. Um, because running and track nerds, like, even though there's this brand loyalty, like there's still like, I love hearing stories of like other companies and other, like when you told that story about Lance Armstrong and his like one millimeter off, like on the handlebar, it's Mm. just like, I'm just sports nerd so like is with those three brands is there anything for you that like sticks out as a best memory or person to work with um i really liked working with Dwayne wade uh i worked with him the day after i worked with lebron james i did not not like lebron james at all um and Dwayne wade was awesome like very different like almost a 180 so i don't know how much of that was relative to lebron but he was probably the coolest it, it just pops to mind. Um, and then I think story-wise, like I, one of the first projects, that was when I worked at Nike with those two, obviously. And then when I worked at Adidas, Derek Rose had a toe injury. So mm-hmm. I flew down, which was dangerous that they sent me there because I think one of the reasons why I was fine at that job was because I didn't get too worked up about working to me around stars. Yeah. But if you put me around a Bulls player, that's a little different. It's a different ball game. So, yeah. so of course I go down there. I'm a huge Bulls fan. Also this is right when Derrick Rose is in his prime. Killing it, man. Like youngest MVP ever. And um, yeah, so I went down to the hotel room in Beverly Hills. The hotel room was crazy. There was clothes everywhere uh, on the um, floor. Like the entire floor of the hotel was the Bulls floor. And like go in his room. His room is amazing. There's some random girl in the bed watching a reality TV show. I, I just saw her, her legs, so didn't say anything else. Um, and so he he had a toe injury. I don't know if I can even say all this. Let me think about what I can say. Um, not well taken care of, let's put it that way. And yeah. the dude had it for a long time. So I'm this guy, you know, I'm making pennies compared to what a dude is paying him. I'm with the Bulls medical staff which they are terrible at their job. And I'm like, you're letting this guy play on his, this toe injury. And sure enough, he gets, you know, almost a crooning injury off that. Um, so we had to make some custom stuff with him. So one of the things that was interesting, I was like watching what he was eating. And I wanted to say a lot of things about that because I had an opinion on it. It was not, not good. Um, yeah, how poorly his toe was taken care of. But watching him like move was, was incredible. He, it's, it's almost like his muscles were too explosive for his ligaments and tendons. Hmm. Yeah, he was, I mean, we get fortunate to be around some freak individuals, but I remember like bro hugging him and I was like, this dude is iron. He's not, he's like a solid human being. That's cool. So there was more to the story. They invited me to strip club. I didn't go. I kind of regret it now. In hindsight, <laughs> I was like, well, should have just blurred that line professionally. But we whatever. never, ever, ever go to strip clubs. Um, 
that we we have a, a firm fist there. Um, but yeah. when I look at your LinkedIn again, I don't know why this is really my script, but um, you have your certified pediatrist. Pedorthist, yeah. Pedorthist. I think my certification ends here soon, but whatever. Yeah, we'll keep you it. need to get that up. And then also, you have a patent for sole assembly for an article of footwear with plural cushioning members. So I'm, you're very. You're I think I have three patents. You're a big mm -hmm. foot guy, so that's cool that you got to work with him in, in an area yeah. in which you seem very, very um, comprehensive. Com comprehensive. You seem very. Yeah. You seem very. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, when your mind is really involved in it, you seem very, Josh, help me out. We'll get back to that, Dave. So keep Danny, with, it, with that background of biomechanics, like, did you think that helps you be a bit more detail oriented? So like when I've been coached in the past or like look at other coaches, like I, I never feel like the details really there. Cause I mean, in college, you can't really have that much detail. If you were coaching college, I think you would have to change the way you coach. Right. Like, so what, what do you feel like the differences between being like a college coach and then being like a professional coach? Where do you think the differences really lie? Well, I think some of the college coaches out there are extremely intense. So the differences probably in general, I would say, are they have to deal with so many more numbers than I do. Uh, and then the other, so because of that, then there's a, there's a time bottleneck. The other thing is that the distribution of talent and motivation is much more wide. So with you guys, it's like we have on the men's 1500 team, you know, it's like what we're one, one and a half percent away from each other. So 15. So it's like, and then if you think of goals, it's like even closer. So like I can, I can coach you all about 90, 95% the same. Now there's a huge importance in that five, 10% difference. If you're looking at a college team, I'm, I'm you've got people running you know, 350, if you have a really good team, 357 to 4, 412, that's a huge difference. That's not that much, but it's, you know, to a normal person, but that's a very different way to coach them. So you, you have to be like very, um, you have to be like understanding the pros and cons and consequences, and like effectiveness a little bit from a different lens than I have to. I have to look at it and think of like, Okay, if I have one cue for you, Ribich, and one cue for you, Josh, it's like, um, what is that going to be? Whereas, like, I got one cue for the group, one KPI, and it's got to be the best one that seems to make sense, probably a little bit more heavily skewed towards the top end athletes. But I don't want to kill the bottom end athletes off, A, because that's just like functionally wrong. But the other thing is, you might have a gem in there. So, their like decision tree process is a little bit different than like than mine. Yeah. yeah. No, and then the detail part is different too. Like you don't really care that much about arm mechanics as much. Yeah. I don't, I'm using make an example, but yeah. Yeah. The, the interesting thing about it too is, and I don't know if you can clarify this. I also never remembered the word or thought of the word that I was meaning for the mind thing for the shoe game foot stuff. So I'm going to move on. Um, um, when you get an athlete from college, I feel like as though now that we're progressing and all of our PRs are continuing to drop that gap, even though kids in college are still getting faster, that gap is still going to get further and further apart um, in terms of like where the team success is right now. Cause like when I joined the team, we had Drew who had the silver medal in uh, indoor 2018. And that was really it for the success. And now you have three people that were fifth at the Olympic trials, two Olympians, one Olympic bronze medalist, and you still have Drew working out. It's just like, we have, an array of success where these college kids are coming in now a little bit more gapped from where their goals were to win an NCAA title to now joining a team where let's get Olympic medals. And so when you get an athlete from college, what is like your first protocol for writing them a training plan? 
Um, I mean, just to stay in line with your example, because we, we signed, you know, three rookies this year, but I think a Waleed with the group. So Waleed is on paper, you know, one of, one of our better recruits, but you're right. There's a, a pretty big gap between him and, and some of you. So I think it's, it's the thing that I'm noticing with him is he's talented and tough enough to, to pretty much be able to do everything you all are doing but it's just this cumulative effect of the biological cost being probably a little too high for where he's at. Like we have a bunch of people trying to run 330, 331 this next year and Josh, you know, 27, uh, 327. So like Waleed's 336, like getting him to the 333 is going to be, I know he wants to run quicker and he can, but that might be the next logical step for him in his, his career. So I've noticed that like he, just because he can do it, Whereas before, the, some of the athletes were so far away from being a pro, to be honest, they, just, they couldn't do it. So like, they do it, and they're like, well, I can't physically do it. He can actually do it and game up and do it. But I think not letting him do it is something I have to be aware of. And this is actually just a thought I'm noticing in the last week with him. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so you have these athletes with these big toolboxes, like Devin, Waleed, Lori, who's willing to work really hard. Um, but backing them down a little bit more. So it's still kind of applying some of the stuff that I was using when the team started yeah. and, and making sure I, I keep some of those themes the same with the rookies. Cause I don't, I don't want them to get, I want them to make a step up. Even if, even like we talked about this year, first year, David, like it's like, even if you don't race faster yet, like the workouts are there. So we know that we know that the, the world doesn't see it yet, but we know Yeah, I, I can handle that for year one with somebody like wall lead. Um, but ideally I do want them to get out on paper faster. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel like we get these questions quite a lot when we ask for like bansable questions. Like people actually just don't want to banter. They want to know information because, you know, our sport is very cut and dry. Like you run this time, you get recruited to this university. If you win this race, you know, you get the title, whatever. And so like when recruiting an athlete to the beast, like we spoke earlier about, you know, making sure they're the right fit now, you know, instead of just looking at the times and see if they're good enough to make the, the team better. But like, when you're recruiting an athlete, like from college, like, are you mostly looking at the athlete? Are you mostly looking at their relationship with their coach, relationship with their team? Like, what's the big, what's the big, like, you know, red flags? Red flags are bad, Josh. Well, red flags to like, make sure you don't like, you, oh. you know, they might have the right times, but they might Yeah, so we're be... assuming they're talented enough. Yeah. So yeah. what are you looking for? Um, yeah, the interpersonal relationships they have. Like how, how do they resolve conflict? Um, how vulnerable are they willing to get when I talk to them? And it doesn't mean like, tell me about your relationship with your mother. Like, I don't <laughs> need to know that yet. <laughs> um, yet. But yeah, we haven't talked about that with you two. That's year four. Um, so vulnerability is, is a, you know, it's gotta be a little bit shared. So I, I try to get to it quickly um, with the recruits now. And just, just so they know who I am, because it, from a simple standpoint, I started saying this the last couple of years was like, I want to enjoy who I'm working with. It doesn't mean I need to be friends with the athletes at all. That does not mean that that might happen after working together for a long time. You know, we could, we can, we can manage the boundaries of professionalism and being a friend. Um, but it, it's more of like, a, um, I want to enjoy and respect the person that I'm working with because that's also what's going to get me out of bed in the morning too. It's not like, it's not for the money, you know, it's not like this 
this mansion house that I'm living in here with the rage is the machine picture in the background. So um, it's not all about how big your YouTube channel is. No, I wish it was. Uh, so, but yeah, I can kind of, I, I can ask questions and see how, how, if they'll be real with me. And then you can tell pretty, ideally I know who I want to sign or the couple six months out. So I'm at some meets that they're at. And yeah. if you ever see me at meets, um, if I'm on my phone, it's for work, but usually I'm just, and that's sound creepy, but I'm there watching what people are doing. And yeah. so how they're treating people and like, um, because that's going to be, that could be me and that could be you with this teammate. And so, you know, if I think of somebody like Waleed, um, like how Ryan Van Hoy, his coach was with me and then how Ryan and Waleed worked together and his staff, I really liked. I thought that they respected each other. They're serious. They had some fun. Um, you know, they, they communicated well. So Waleed had that kind of model off. And that doesn't mean it's all roses when you start working with somebody because there's a transition there. But, um, you know, I'm like, okay, we could get to that point in a couple of years. And, and that's the type of athlete in person I want to work with. Yeah. So, you know, like some athletes, you don't have that benefit. Like with, with Devin and Laurie, I didn't, um, it's just fine. You know, different programs and stuff like that. You don't maybe get to see the coach, but you could pick up on some things, you know, they, yeah. I talked to Lori three times and we, we flew Devin out to Seattle. He's here for four days. So yeah, I'm looking for the interpersonal things. So we've talked about the athletes that you have recruited. You can talk about the athletes that you currently train, but if you could train any athlete in the world, and if this could go beyond the sport of track and field, if you really wanted to, but if you could train any uh, athlete in the world, who would it be? I would, I would really like to coach Conor McGregor. I, yeah. I don't oh, like his coming. coaches. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're, oh, I won't say, yeah. I, uh, I also like Grant Holloway. When yeah. you said track, I was that's the first guy I was gonna go with. Yeah. Grant's um, a good dude. I, I I like biomechanics and I know a lot about it. So I feel like I feel like I could steeply learn it. Now there's the with the nuance of cueing with that would I'd probably fuck him up, but he's so good that I would like to see that. And then and then McGregor is just such a fascinating individual because I think he's so crazy and um it'd be really hard. I think of Simmons like reining his ass in. I'm like I did it for like two years. I feel like I'm raining this billionaire lunatic, keep him in line, focused, have him move in my house with us, train in my garage. Yeah. That'd be oh, pretty man. cool. Be, I mean, that would be a pretty cool setup. I don't know if you could lure him into living with you and, and training in your garage when he comes from his <laughs> mansions, but. Riding a scooter to work. Yeah. <laughs> bring them back down to the soil of the earth. I, I respect it. So, you know, th there was a lot of chat. Um, I was on a couple of podcasts, Dave, you know, don't get too jealous. And um, where oh, people no. picked up on um, you starting to do workouts before the team. Like, what, where mm. did that start? And like, why do you think that's important? And maybe give a bit of context to that as well. So if the idea came in my mind. Um, I, I was fortunate enough to, to, to meet Arthur Laird a couple weeks before he died and listen to him talk. So if you don't know who he is, look him up. If you listen to this podcast, a lot of the stuff Nobody that we listens. do comes to this to him. So uh, he, he talked about doing training even when he was like late into his sixties. Um, and he thought that that was an important thing for the athletes to, to know that he did that. And then, so I always had that in mind. I mean, I was like 23, 24, something like that. Um, and then 
And then on the negative side of it, I'm around a lot of, not all, I'm around a lot of coaches and some agents that are pricks and they, and, and meet directors. And they think that like, I remember I was with uh, somebody in Europe and, and uh, one of the, one of the women on the team ran 404 and she got third and she tried to win. It was, it was a dumb mistake, but the way that he was speaking about her was, was, was bad. And he like, I was like, you don't know, you don't know anything, man. You used to run. You're a decent division one runner, but you don't know how it feels when there's like 12 of the people as talented as you trying to stop you from doing what you're doing. You're going to probably make mistakes. And so and, and athletes and like agents and coaches like talking bad, like, oh, these people suck or they crumble under pressure or they're weak or they're wussies. Like, I just don't, I just don't want to be that way. And so, um, and so I was like, I want to make sure that I'm suffering in, in essence. And, um, you know, so like some of the stuff I've done in competition with, even when I did the, the first fight, like I did like the weight cut for it and being scared, like a lot of the reasons for my job and the workouts is, is for that reason. So I don't lose connection to like what's going on. And, and sometimes it's nice because especially I usually re- make sure to do it before the really hard days because I, the wind and even though my fitness level is different, I, I know well enough. I'm like, okay, I need to make sure that there's a, a, a adjustment here and the rest. This is not running how I'd like it to run. So I can kind of, I can kind of take some of that experience when I go into coaching it. So th- those are the reasons why. Yeah. yeah. This will be the last question too. And, and then we transition to the Bantabo. Um, but we get this question a lot as athletes. Um, so this is going to be like a double entendre, but what is your favorite workout to run run? Meaning like if it's the workout you're running for your sense of fitness or development on your own, right. Or what's your favorite workout to run for our team? Like what's your favorite workout? Oh, to coach? Yeah, yeah. Which I would prefer I, I that really, answer. Yeah. I, I like, uh, there's two of them. I mean, I like the 800 workouts that are pure sprinting. Like, um, and this is actually a Mark Rowland one that I stole from him. Um, it's 150, 200, 150, 300, 150, or you can just do like five or six 150s with big rest, um, or that acceleration workout, um, the Joe V Hill one where it's 100, 110, 120, 130 up to 200. Like those, those sprint workouts are super, I never did them. And, I mean, you get sore as shit. I just, yeah. it's crazy how short duration can really hurt you, you know, like you want puke and stuff. Uh, and then uh, I like coaching it cause I like watching athletes run fast. Um, and then the other one is like the, the, the staggered ones that you guys do a lot more of, you know, K 300, 800, 200 alternating. I like that variability in, uh, in workouts and they go by quickly, I think. So for me to run one it goes by quickly. Yeah. And that's what I did yesterday. I was doing a version of that. Oh, really? Yeah. Why, why were you spiked up yesterday? What was the thought process behind that? Thank you for asking me because I got to email our product team. So I spiked up because they, they gave me our samples Yeah. and I have a vested interest in making sure that you guys are in really good shoes <laughs> and I'm picky about the product. And so that's it. But as I did it, I was like, I was good to spike up. I need to do that more, yeah. even if I don't intend on racing. That's fair. There's an element of seriousness. You put those things on, like you don't need to be running like tempo miles. You know what I mean? To get yeah. a little quicker. So that's fair. Yeah. So yeah, we'll move on to the banner ball. These are going to be a bit more quick, quick answer. Like, you know, they're just kind of either or really, um, with a lot of them. So 
a lot of them have to do with with Dave and I. So yeah, I want I want to make sure because we get a lot of new listens every single week. So Josh, if you want to, because banter balls are really big staple in our podcast. So if you're just now joining us for the first time and you're like, oh, interested in hearing what Danny has to say, or you're just kind of coming into the the podcast as a whole um, as a newbie, Josh, do you want to describe what the banter ball is? Why we do the banter ball? Just give that whole Scottish, you know, flair to the episode. Uh, so you know, when it started, we actually had a ball. And we, we were doing these like in person, one of the high houses in Albuquerque. And we were like, we're going to do a different bowl every time. We're writing out all these like questions and stuff. But, you know, that became a lot more work than just writing in a Google Doc. So, you know, to be honest, it's just like we like to end on a bit of a laugh, a bit of a smile. And we get to ask some questions that are a little bit a little bit more risky, a little bit more fun and uh, can bring out some personality of our guests and, and ourselves. So that's kind of the big reason for it. Plus, it's just it's, it's good laugh, to be fair. So Dave, why don't you start? Dave's adding some last minute ones, which I'm not happy about, but because they, oh God. Right. Okay. So who is more coachable, Dave or Josh? I don't take offense to these either. Oh yeah. Gosh. Oh, okay. Now huge. I'm not, not. I guess right, I said reasons? that. No, <laughs> no, 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 you said short answer. You said, no, 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 no. I think we should go into this one. <laughs> not doing it. <laughs> not Dave, doing it. Uh, okay, I, and I, I did that on purpose. I wasn't going to be. Mm, he did it on purpose because he knew choose. I could handle it better than you could handle it if you exactly. were less coachable. Oh, exactly. yeah, let's, let's think that's why. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I can read between the lines there. So we'll follow it up with who is the least coachable guy you've ever had? Oh, gosh, these also, we did not write these. These are what <laughs> yeah, no, that is fair. we did not write these. I wish I could answer that honestly. I'm not going to. <laughs> we can uh, take it out. Gosh, I couldn't, I could not stand him. Um, um, <laughs> I'm going to say Nick Simmons. Yeah. Because I know Nick, there's a decent chance he listens to this. I'm good friends with Nick. And I tell him this, God, I wanted to kill him in 2017. God, the year of the him. bison. <laughs> I love Nick. I love Tiana's wife. They're really good friends, but I wanted to murder him that year. <laughs> Josh, you want to go ahead and keep rolling? Uh, so again, we did not write these. This is why I know the answer to some of these. Do you think Dave will ever win in a workout against Josh? Yes. Hell yeah, brother. Uh, what, God damn it, why am I reading this one? What characteristic makes Josh way faster than Dave? <laughs> um, well, I think some of it is Dave. I'm going to get a knock on Josh here. I think some of it is Dave has run Josh's better event versus the other way around. That's fair. I like that one. He's, I'll give it he's, a virtual he's dab. home in the 5K, which he's, so I, I, I think it was like six months ago. I said to Dave that if he ever beats me in a race in any distance, that I would pay him like a grand. And now he's become really good at the five k. And so you guys again, are gonna have a throwdown in May in that five k. I'm only it's running one five like k a year. One five k. He has one shot every year to get it right. And you know, I really, I Dave, I hope you beat me, man. I really do. Yeah, but I just don't see it happening. Running the social media for our podcast, Josh, I will have a heyday when I do. So just want to <laughs> let you know that. It's not when, you, it's me. I've saved if, every little audio clip of you'll never beat me or I'm not a superior <laughs> athlete. I've saved every one of those. And it's just going to be this hype video of me obliterating you. So Okay, sure. That's awesome. Uh, so do you get enough credit, Danny? Yeah, I think so. Damn. Um, from you, I mean... I'm guessing that question is meant more like outwardly. Uh, probably not, but yeah. you can blame uh, 
my social media or Brooks's marketing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You certainly get enough credit from us. Um, I know yeah, that's, that a, that's what my head too. went. Yeah. You get enough yeah. credit from us, but God, if only the, the, the world had the highest respect as we do. So, so yeah, we, we can move on. We were, we were talking about this one earlier. If you had a daughter, who would you rather her date, Josh or Dave? I don't know. You guys are really good to your girlfriends, at least from what it seems. Um, so the question is, who's going to be more, who's going to be more wealthy in like 10 years? All right. Fair enough. I might well, go Josh, with David on this one. Yeah, David, I, I was going to say Dave, to be honest. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, you, Josh is going to be like buying me, you know, cars as like gifts to his old coach, his old gaffer of that much discretionary income. I think Dave would be next level. Like I'll be reporting for it to David, you know? Yeah, Dave's going to be well, a boss, man. That's a very high mm -hmm. compliment because one of my highest stresses and anxieties is like, I'm a forward thinker. So I stress about future finances when I don't even need to worry about that right now. So mm -hmm. exactly. That's like, wow. money. Well, I'll know who to daughter. go for a letter of recommendation though, uh, when I'm trying to take over the world. So thank you for that. Um, Just be nice to my daughter. Yeah, I'll be nice to your daughter. Um, well, actually, I'm not going to say that because I don't know when you're going to have a kid. And by that time, I'll be maybe 30, 35, <laughs> and then I'll be 60 and she'll be 30. And that would be weird. You may be 90 at that point. So, yeah, you, but that's the age where you can say whatever you want. So, um, exactly. So, I want. Uh, I'll let Josh read the next one after oh, this. Why do you not want to read that one, dude? I'll, I'll read this one. I want, I want you to read the, I want you to win, read the who would win a race one. So, I'll read why is Henry's form so bad? Someone wrote oh, this. Wait a minute. Okay. Now uh, two things here. I, I will just say, cause is that they don't know. They don't understand biomechanics. He does yeah. not have bad form. Henry. I don't think he has. I mean, other than his like, like chin. he looks up and yeah. he, he keeps his arms, his uh, shoulders too tight. But if you look at his, if you look at him it, until he gets tired. If you look at him before he gets tired, he's got very good mechanics and his yeah, lower, yeah. his hips down are very good. Like very, foot very up, powerful of a stride. Yeah. Yeah. So Defense. I would, I would counter and say, take physics, like entry level physics, take entry level biomechanics. You can pass physics and then ask that question. And I don't know why Dan Paff wrote that then. Just yep. kidding. He didn't go to college for it. <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay. Josh, read the next one. This one actually made me laugh. Yeah. It, it was who would win in a race, Josh's ego or Dave's therapist. <laughs> <laughs> Is your therapist a runner, David? She runs a lot. Yeah. She goes to Buffalo park and runs. She's at high altitude as well, so. I'll go with Josh's ego, though. Oh, what? got to be a fit. Wait, wait. Oh, yeah, Buffalo Park and Flagstaff. Yeah. All right, I'll take the I'll take the altitude. There we yeah, go. I'll go with Dave's therapist. I'm I'm paying I'm paying you for that answer. All right. Um, who is more? Who is slash was more talented, Kerr or Simmons? I don't know the answer to that one. I didn't know him that well. That's really tough. I would personally say I'll it's say, Simmons. I would say it's Simmons right now. That could change over time. That could change. To, win, to win eight titles, like... Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That consistency is just... I mean, Josh Josh isn't even winning U.S. titles, so... He's not won any, yeah. Life would be easier. Someone someone submitted that, like, if Josh is so good, why has he not won a U.S. title? But we never really wanted to get into that one, so we let that one just slide under the radar. My mind went to two things, too. So when Nick came out, like, the summer he came out, so he was a college athlete. And then a month later he was, he got second at USA's 
And, but then you look at Josh, like his first year, full year, gets six in the world. I don't know, man, that's a, that's a stupid question. Cause Nick could run cross country. You tell me Josh I can't run cross. No, it's the same. My NCAA could, performance could, was pretty special. Cooper Tier could still have beaten you on that day. No, yeah. oh, he was 20 places behind me. <laughs> I said I'll on make that sure day. To know that. You would have been the guy behind him, like, oh, mate, are you okay? Or you would have no, been the guy that's like kicking past me. Yeah, that's I would have dipped him for sure. <laughs> You're reckless, Josh. Um, most unique coaching tactic? Um, I, from what I've heard and what I see coaches do at championships, I put – I put a lot of, uh, I try to give a lot of freedom and empowerment to the athletes I coach before they race. I think that's a little bit unique. I don't say, I, I say very little, not because I don't know what to say and not because I'm too busy to say it, but I just, I think that's the right way to go about it before they go out there and race. Um, I think I undercoach before races hmm. on purpose. Yelling nonstop at the athlete during the race i'm like that's very unproductive like i think i've yeah. heard you say like one word to me in a race and it was like relax and i'm like that's literally all i needed to hear the entire race and then it was like one of the best races i've had yeah and most of them i can't even yeah that one i could actually be even close to you but yeah i think it's like um i mean some of it comes from a good spot like you want to feel like you can help them but you know the other part of it is like i think of noise in your brain you want to clear that shit out it's like you're good you you want to have okay here's a here's probably what's going to happen here's what i'm going to do and if none of this shit works where's my parachute that i'm going to pull yeah you know and so you don't need my bullshit in your ear if we've trained to make sure that that parachute is ready so and usually the, the parachute works because you know you know you've used it before so i think that's probably the unique thing i do i don't know I don't get mad at athletes when they run bad. That's yeah. probably unique. I, I really don't like it when I've seen athlete coaches chew out athletes because now I don't know the history going into it, but most times athletes want to run well. <laughs> so me yelling at them is probably not going to be a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this is what was submitted. And this is actually the question that we flagged to you yesterday as a little bit of a preview of some of the banter, but how much money did Josh's medal earn you? I like how he can talk uh, about this and I can't. I don't know if I can. I'm going to say oh, really? zero. Zero dollars. Mm-hmm. Well, lucky for you then, we are going to be paying you $250 to be a co-host of this episode. So you you will be officially making more money from the Sit and Kick podcast than you will be from Josh's pretty good medal. <laughs> nice. That's a, that's a big I made goal. some money today. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Josh, you want to hit it? We only have three left guys. So if you're hanging out still for this longer based episode, bear with us three more to go. If you're enjoying our time, put it uh, on replay. <laughs> which one of your athletes is going to surprise people this year? Isaac that, Yorks. That was written by Justin Knight as well. I think Isaac Yorks or Nia Aiken. Uh, Nia. Yeah. I can yeah, see those two. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, as a fighter, have you ever been threatened? Like in, in, a, in, a, in a fight or just outside of the, the gym? That's all the context the question was submitted. Um, 
I was on a date six weeks ago and a guy threatened threatened both of us. So that was the last time. I didn't do anything. But I think, um, I mean, one of the things you kind of know when you do this enough is like, it's, it's, it's kind of counterintuitive because now I know that like the, well, I've always known this because of where I grew up, but like consequences of a fight can be bad. And so you get older, they're more serious, like you lose your job and stuff like that. Um, the other thing that's interesting you do enough martial arts stuff is like, you get more like kind of like scared of like getting hurt. So, but on the flip side of it, it's like, it comes down to it, <laughs> you know, not good for the other person probably. So, yeah, yeah. that's fair. So, so pretty, pretty rare, pretty rare. I'd probably say as normal as anybody else, like very rare to people. People are really, really yeah. you know, do that stuff. Yeah. All right, Danny, then typically at the end of every podcast, we let the guest slash co-host name the episode um, as a stoic, very stable, calm guy. This is the chance for you to come out with fighting words. This is your chance to um, come out and really make the world know uh, what you're about on the Sit and Kick podcast. So I'm going to do a little bit of a countdown. And whenever you're ready, you have a title in mind, um, you can go ahead and name the episode. So whenever you're ready, I'll count you down. Um, I'm ready. All right. And three, two, one. Let's run. How about let's fight? It's a good name. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> let's run. How about let's fight? That's, that's the ticket. That's that could be one of my favorite titles. I'm that that might be my favorite one as well. That's good. See how um, it does. Yeah. You get like, you might get double digit views and downloads for this one. Huh? Oh yeah. Maybe. That's the so. dream. Over 10. That's the dream. <laughs> I hope so. Um, but seriously, Danny, thank you for your time. We do know you're a busy man. Out of curiosity, how many messages have you gotten since we started recording? Put it on silent. I, I will <laughs> let you know after. Okay, fair enough. I'm, I had to guess I would say somewhere in the high 20s. That's crazy. I mean, when we were doing that thing before, it was like you got about nine emails from Matt in about 10 minutes. So, <laughs> yes, right. So, we'll let, you, we'll let you get on with your day, but thank you very right, much for thanks, spending guys. time here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. Thank you. All right. Bye. Yeah. Bye bye. With Josh Kerr. I'm here, David Rivish. Josh Kerr. David Rivish. Josh Kerr's for real. Fastest D2, 1500 meters. Josh Kerr on the outside. Way up front now is David Rivish.